Good evening and welcome to another episode of Grant Talks Funny Bits. And tonight we have an absolutely phenomenal top of the tree uh, uh, hypnotist for you. Um, please, guys, uh, ask lots of questions. Hit the like and love emojis. If you're watching it on the replay, still check this guy out. He doesn't really need much of an introduction, but it would be remiss of me to have someone of this caliber on this show and not give him his at least a part of his true introduction. This guy has been recognized as one of America's 30 hottest speakers and was selected to speak for the prestigious Million Dollar Roundtable, an honor given to less than 1% of speakers, not just once, but on four occasions. This guy in the stage hypnosis community is an absolute legend. So please make lots of noise, clap, cheer, bang your tables and your computer screens, and welcome to Grant Talks Funny Bits. Anthony. Thank you, Grant. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, it's my absolute, absolute pleasure. And thank you uh, for, for coming on the show. Now, for, for the, the Brits that are watching, uh, you're in sunny Florida. Is that true? Yes. 90 degree uh, Florida. Oh, oh, see, we're <laughs> just we're just starting our springtime now. Um, but we don't, we don't get the heats like you guys do. So hopefully we'll be out of lockdown soon so we can enjoy the sunshine. So, hopefully. yeah. So how, how are things, I mean, we could not mention the situation, but how are things um, over there at the moment? Things are fine. Uh, the community I live in is not that heavily populated and uh, very laid back. So um, most of the stores, you know, are shuttered and people kind of stay to themselves. It's, it's just very laid back. Also, oh, Greg, uh, Greg Steele says hi. Uh, oh, hi, Jason, Greg. Jason Nobby Notice uh, says hi as well. Now, Jason's a Welsh hypnotist, and uh, when we first went into lockdown, we were talking earlier about how we kind of, you know, my business model changed, and I went into a bit of a shutdown myself, personally, and Jason was the guy that went, Grant, pull your finger out, do something, and he was my inspiration for setting all this up, so cheers for that, cheers for that, Jason, he's a great guy. So, um, tell me, or tell the people watching a bit about you, What? how did you get from being what you were before this into being the hypnotist that you are. I uh, started studying hypnosis at a very early age, was fascinated by it as a kid, uh, went to school, studied psychology with the intention of uh, doing research in hypnosis. Uh, in college, I kind of started a business as a stage hypnotist, pretty much copied everybody else and did basic stage hypnotism. Um, got out of uh, college, went into graduate school, and one of the uh, folks in graduate school with me had an established hypnotherapy practice. He was about 12, 15 years older than I was. He had already established a practice in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, I went to graduate school in Boca Raton. And when the program was ended, he approached me and said, uh, why don't you buy my program? Because he was heading off to another state. And I purchased his program. He showed me pretty much how to organize it and market it. I did that for nearly four years and then um, moved to Hawaii. I ended up moving to a very remote corner of the Hawaiian Islands. Uh, there were simply not enough people for to maintain a practice. It was, it was fairly remote. Uh, and there was, at that time, the, obviously the closest major city was Honolulu. It was on a different island, but it did have a million people. And I started giving presentations in Honolulu to real estate groups, insurance groups. I was looking for companies that had a lot of salespeople because yeah. any uh, company or group that has a large number of salespeople will invariably have meetings to try to continually motivate them. And they are the folks that are most likely to hire a corporate speaker. 
they recognize the value of what we do. So that's how I started. I kind of broke into it by uh, speaking first to real estate groups, segued over to the life insurance, and then any group that had a lot of salespeople. Uh, I wiped out Hawaii in like a year and a half. There was simply not that many uh, groups uh, in that uh, in the state, and so I started spending time traveling back and forth to the states. Uh, eventually, it became too burdensome to maintain two residences, so I ended up moving back to Florida in '84, I guess '85, and uh, have been in Florida since. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. One of the first, one of the first things that anyone that is discovering you in the hypnosis community um, will realize that. The, uh, from our side of the pond, especially, is you you don't you don't treat hypnosis like a like a clown, uh, and I don't mean that in a, in a derogative way. But a lot of a lot of stage hypnotists, uh, comedy stage hypnotists, try and be like children's entertainers, and it's all very, you know, hands are everywhere. It's it's a bit slapstick, and. You know, they get people doing really bizarre and outrageous things. One of the things when I first saw your show or your presentation is the level of uh, the level of quality to start with, but the way that you don't degrade people and the way that you don't make it come across as, as it's incredibly entertaining and incredibly funny, but it doesn't come across as a comedy show. It's very profound, and I think that has more of an impact, more drama than most comedy shows do. And it's it for me, it's a great way of delivering hypnosis in a, a semi-serious way, but still absolutely hilarious at the same time. Hmm. Thank you. What was your what was your thinking? How did you go from how did you become this, you know, how did it how did that happen? Was that deliberate? Because it's fair to say that you're not when you said sorry, I can I can steamroll sometimes. When you say earlier that you you got into stage hypnosis and you did the same as everybody else, you just copied loads of routines. That's what a lot of stage hypnotists do. Okay. It's fair to say for the last 15, 20 years at least, you've probably had your own lane. And there's a lot of hypnotists that try and try and work towards creating their own market, but that's very much where you as far as I've concerned, you've very much been in that corporate hypnotist market. Is, is you there's, there's there's people trying to get into that space now uh, but you've had that space for such a long time was that a deliberate effort on your part or did you just fall into that oh uh, I, I doubt any of it was deliberate effort it was <laughs> pretty much uh you know I, I rose to whatever occasion i needed to rise to i i went to hawaii uh, fully intending to continue as a hypnotherapist uh, only to discover that the nearest city hilo only had thirty-six thousand people and uh, they had 60% of the population was Japanese and they don't do hypnotherapy. So there <laughs> simply were not enough people to continue what I was doing. Uh, I had, uh, it actually was not my idea to win the corporate speaking. It was my wife at the time. Uh, one night she said, you ought to you know, uh, give sales seminars to real estate agents. To which I replied, you know, great idea, but I have never sold a thing in my life and I you know, don't know anything about real estate. To which she replied, just don't let that stop you. And it was necessity that we were running out of money. Uh, I had found myself, uh, we're pregnant with the first child in a situation where it was sink or swim. And it was pretty much uh, an act of desperation. But I uh, 
ended up perceiving or recognizing that mm. there was a market there. And so I just yeah. pursued yeah. it. But it wasn't a deliberate. I didn't sit down with a plan and, you know, like, which is funny because yeah. I teach goal setting, if you mind, you know, which is a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was pretty much necessity is what caused certain things to happen. So. Yeah. I must admit, uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll put my hands up. You're, you do a part in your show and it, it's in the clip that we've got as well. Uh, when you kind of, you do the whole thing, who here thinks money motivates people? And that's, that's a line I've used in my show as well, but I don't, I don't take it to the, the level that you do. I mean, I'll not say what happens, but it's in the clip. And I just think that just makes it so much more profound by taking it to that level as well. And I think, I think that that helps the phenomena become more profound and the audience's reaction is, is, is phenomenal. So yeah, that's great. Well, that, that was the question. Uh, you could see in some people's eyes, I don't believe what I'm seeing. Um, you get less of that in corporate in a, in a stage presentation. It's like, Oh, they paid that person or that person's just acting or they're drunk or they, they always think there's some hidden agenda when you're dealing with a company where it's 50 or hundred people and they all know each other and they'll see that. Per I know that person is not faking, you know, their jaw drops. I mean, that's, that's unusual. And, uh, I was always trying to communicate that, there really is something different here. It's hard to put your finger on it, but it really is different than, than the normal state of what you're used to. And you can't make them, you know, do really exotic things. You can't, uh, in the old days, they would drive uh, hypodermic needles. They would do, you know, clamps with the hemostats. Yeah, when I started in the 70s, yeah. you did all kinds of wacky things to prove that this is really something unusual. This is, this is something you should be paying attention to. So you can't do that in corporate because you'll get sued. And, uh, and it, as you say, it became cartoonish, some of it, when you stretch people across two chairs and stand on them, all the things that really get people to ooh and ah. And it was, what can I do? And again, there wasn't a whole lot. And the idea was, well, risk money, because if it's real money, maybe they'll pay attention. And then the question became, well, how much could you risk? And that was what caught my attention. Because if it really is an altered state, if you really are dealing with a, a separate steady what known as the steady state theory then theoretically there's no limit if it's there yeah. you and so i started pushing it you know ten dollars twenty dollars fifty a hundred and uh got up to two thousand dollars i didn't go beyond that because it was meaningless at that point mm. it was if they're not going to get up for two thousand dollars right in their face they're not going to get up for twenty thousand there's there's uh and there was a, the, the matter of carrying it around and you know twenty hundred dollar bills is actually substantial in your back pocket uh, so I, I kind of stopped at the, the 2000, but the idea was how do you get this message across without doing mm. something that's cartoonish or dangerous or frightening? Yeah. So. yeah. I, th I think, I think the amount of money you, you've chosen in the clip as well is, is the perfect amount. Like you said, if you go, if you go above that, it almost, it almost makes it pantomime. If you go, if you go a million dollars, it just sounds too much. Uh, whereas two thousand dollars is an achievable amount, I'll, I'll point out as well. For there's a couple of people watching as well that have said hi. Uh, uh, Chris Taylor, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, who's a phenomenally and very famous hypnotist as well. Uh, Chris Doc Strange, yeah. Uh, Dale, Dale Thomas from Ireland as well. He's he's just said uh, he's watched a few of Anthony's videos with stage and they're absolutely fantastic. So that's great. And Ian Rogers is a is uh, commenting on my lovely beard. Now I don't normally have a beard. Um, but I've never not been on stage. So this was my one chance, uh, it, despite the uh, uh, protestations of my wife, that I went, I'm going to grow a beard. Um, but the moment we're out of lockdown, this, this is going.
uh, <laughs> the, the Freudian look. You should be oh, yeah, start yeah, doing exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll point out as well for a couple of people, there's a lot of hypnotists or stage hypnotists at the moment that do kind of go, I do corporate shows and corporate shows. There's a, there's a, a difference uh, yes. between a works Christmas party or a corporate Christmas party right. and a, a keynote for a sales or, or that type of thing. I can imagine the atmosphere is very, very different. And your presentations tend to be more on that. It's a keynote rather than you've been booked for the entertainment after the conference. Is that, is that what I'm about right on that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. In, in its broadest terms, public speaking, uh, motivational speakers, quote unquote, they, t they tend to fall into categories and you can subset them infinitely, but there, there are generally acknowledged to be three big areas where public speaking takes place. One is celebrity. You know, they'll pay someone who's famous to come in regardless if they won the Super Bowl or if they're a famous actor, or if they did something, uh, celebrity will get you on the stage at a high fee. Uh, mm -hmm. Then you have what we call the flavor of the month. Uh, if you just won Survivor, if you just climbed Mount Everest backwards with one leg, if you've done something that's got everybody's attention and they want to see that person or know that person, if you have some kind of some kind of what we call flash in the pan, they are famous, but you're probably not going to see them on the circuit two years down the road. They were known, they have some notoriety at the moment. And then the third and by far the biggest category is what I fell into, and that's known as industry expert. And an industry expert, as a speaker, is bringing something to the table that is not easily found elsewhere. So goal setting is as old as the hills. I mean, there are a million programs for goal setting, but at the corporate level, there really was only one where it was goal setting using hypnosis as its modality. So that was bringing something to the table that you could not readily find elsewhere. It's just that there, there are not a million books on how to you know, goal set with hypnosis. And you can use hypnosis for time management. You can use it for stress reduction. You can use it for concentration. You can use it for fear of rejection, all kinds of areas. But if you include hypnosis, at least at this moment in time, you're probably bringing something unusual to the table. So the industry experts are generally acknowledged to be a group of people that are coming in with some idea, a uh, valuable piece of information, some technique that is not readily or easily found elsewhere. Uh, and the, the notion, and when it comes to corporate speaking, is that it has to have value. Uh, this is where a lot of hypnotists who try to penetrate the corporate market, they go wrong from the very first step. Uh, for example, stage hypnotists who will say, I do corporate work. If you ask that stage hypnotist, as I get asked often when I'm marketing, if I pick up a phone and call a company, so-and-so referred me to you, Grant, I understand that you're the decision maker to bring your speakers into your convention next year. I, I think it'd be an excellent fit for your convention. A very common question that speakers and, and uh, speaker bureau reps get is, all right, what are my people going to get out of your talk? When, uh, when you leave, what are they going to have that they don't have now? And you have to be able to answer that question. And here's the way many stage hypnotists answer that question. What are my people going to get out of your talk? Well, I'm going to have them rolling in the aisles. They'll be laughing harder than they've laughed in years. A week later, they're still going to be talking about what I'm going to show them. 
Now that's great. I mean, that's, that's the way a stage hypnotist, you would expect them to answer the question because they're stage hypnotists. They have spent many of them years and years of hard work and study and dedication to get themselves to be really good as an entertainer, but they're talking to a business. There's, there's sort of like, you know, Mars and Venus. Now hypnotherapists make a very similar error. I believe uh, a hypnotherapist who tries to penetrate the market. So tell me, what are my people going to have after you leave? Well, they're going to be more self-actualized. They will, I'm going to show them how, how to have a much better self-image. I will show them techniques that they can become more relaxed, more focused, and more centered in their business. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but a lot of business owners will tell you, ah, great, I want them to be relaxed, but truth, I couldn't care less if they're relaxed. I don't care if they're self-actualized. I want them selling more or I want them yeah. producing more. I want them being better business people. Uh, a lot of people make the mistake where they go in talking like a hypnotherapist, which kind of you would expect them to, or talking like a stage hypnotist and not meeting the client's needs. Yeah. So when I, I picked up on that real early, when I started calling people in Honolulu, just what is it they're going to get? What is it they're going to get? It, it was so early that I baked it into my presentation. So I do goal setting, which is a common topic. But if a decision maker says to me, what are my people going to get from your talk? It's simple. I'm going to show them three simple transferable techniques to internalize their goals. I'm going to show them not only how to get focused, but very specific techniques on how to stay focused. They're going to walk out the door, able to use any or all of those techniques instantly to push up their business production. And by the way, one of those three techniques happens to be self-hypnosis. Now that's my pitch. And right out of the gate, most business owners will say, okay, I can see what the value is. And there were keywords I was using there. Simple, transferable. You mean if one of my managers shows up, he or she can teach it to their team. Uh, if one of my people come, they can share it with others. Yeah, it's transferable. It's hands-on. It's out of the box. They're not going to have to go to my wonder seminar for $10,000 or buy my book to really understand it. They're going to get it there and walk out the door with it. So those are, those are key words that business people just, you know, ding, 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 ding. And there was one other thing I did that I think hypnotists often make the mistake. It's where you place the word hypnosis. Because if you ask me who I am and what it is I do, there's a couple ways I could answer that. I could say, I'm Anthony Gailey. I'm a corporate hypnotist. I do a presentation called the subconscious aspects of business where I teach three powerful techniques to internalize goals is one way I could answer it. Or I could say, I'm Anthony Gailey. I'm a corporate keynote or a business trainer. I do a program called the subconscious aspects of business where I teach three simple transferable techniques. And one of them happens to be hypnosis. Now they're very similar, but there's a big difference in the first pitch right out of my mouth, I'm a, I'm a hypnotist. Mm. And when I started in 1980, there were more than half of the people that was, that shut it all down. A hypnotist? No, thank you. You know, we we're on a cruise ship last year, pole dancing, you know, not, not interested. They shut you down before you get a chance yeah. to describe who you really are. And it's real simple, but you just say, I'm a corporate keynote or I'm a business trainer subconscious aspects of business, three simple hands-on techniques. And oh, by the way, one of them happens to be self-hypnosis. Now they've heard me. They know that I'm hopefully that I'm serious so that I've got, you know, something to, to offer. And then they ask the question, well, how in the world 
does hypnosis work with goal setting? Some of them will say, what are the other two techniques? And some of them say, are you available on the 15th? I mean, it's really, I mean, it's amazing, but now I have evoked a question as opposed to shutting down 30 to 40% of the people I'm talking to before they even know who I am. Yeah. So stuff, you know, simple stuff like that are kind of, yeah, I mean, trick. it's it's uh, uh, the last time I saw you was at a conference in Vegas, and uh, I remember we were, we were chatting over lunch, and we were talking about it was a phenomenal piece of advice you kind of said there, and it's one of the things that I also think is a brilliant thing with with all the online marketing and everything that there is. You kind of went if you want to be a, a, a corporate hypnotist, then what you want to do is look up businesses that have lots of salespeople or lots of realtors. And then pick up the phone and prospect them, um, and that's—I believe—that's something you do. You have a—do you still do the the corporate business masterclass? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not doing yeah. it with the with the uh, virus now, but yeah. Well, I've got yeah. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I've got the website for that, so I'll bring that up at the bottom of the screen. Um, and you go through with your your uh, your people that book onto the course. You go through that that pitch of how to actually just prospect people, and I'm a big believer in in the first person when it comes to booking shows, even from an entertainment point of view, the first person on the phone wins, wins the gig. And we live in a world where people are so scared about um, actually having a conversation with somebody, you know, that they'd sooner just send an email and wait for that to come back. There's a lot to be said about getting that conversation, getting that face-to-face or that, that phone call. Right, let's play this clip um, and then you can talk oh, to us about it after the whole thing about a clip. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, it's great talking to you. Well, well the I, preface I, was you sent me an email. What is the funniest clip? What was it? The best or the most yeah, interesting yeah, watch, clip? Watch, 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 funny bit. Yeah. Roger, uh, I'll give you $20 if you tell me where the left shoe is. $20. Double it and I'll tell you. Okay. Right, $40 if you tell me where the shoe is. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think so. I'll give you eighty dollars, Roger. Roger, I'll give you eighty dollars if you tell me where the shoe is. I don't know where it is. I'll give you a hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Where I'll give you two hundred dollars. Double that. I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you four hundred dollars. <laughs> Sit over there for a second. I'll give you five hundred dollars, Roger. Now a lot of people say. Maybe he's just playing long, maybe he's a really nice guy, doesn't want to embarrass me, but you know, if it was real money, then you'd see a totally different response, right? A lot of audiences at this point in time start shouting out, show me the money. So let me hear you, folks. I'll take Roger, give you $100. If you tell me where that shoe is, I'll give you $100. Roger, I'll give you $200. $200. Roger, look at me. I said I'd give you $500. Here it is, $500. Ma'am, if you don't mind holding on to this money, you just hold that. It's $500. That's yours if you tell me where the shoe is. Tell you what, I'll give you 1000 or five. There's $1,000. $1,000 if you tell me where that shoe is. I swear, you can have that money. It's $1,000 if you tell me. <laughs> Here's 500 more. $1,500 if you tell me where the shoe is. My last offer. That's it. $2,000. Two grand. Yours. Pick it up. It's yours if you tell me where the shoe is. Roger, where is the shoe? I don't know. <laughs> you honestly don't know? I tell you, I'll give you a hint here. Roger, think about this now, because I want you to use your concentration here. I want you to, you know, do you have any idea where the shoe is, Roger? 
Where is the shoe, Roger? The shoe. Where could it possibly be, Roger? Any ideas at all? I'll give you $2,000. Where's the shoe, Rog? Should be on my left foot. Sleep way down deep. Now, folks, isn't that amazing? That's called... That amazes me. That's called a negative hallucination, folks. Uh, he was seeing right through the shoe. I mean, looking at something and not even seeing it. Uh, we do this in everyday life. If you, ever have a, if you ever see a short person driving an automobile, sometimes they learn to look right through the steering wheel. If a person's wearing eyeglasses, they will learn to look right through the panes of glass. He was looking right through it and not even seeing it. And notice the monetary reward I offered him. I was going to give him $2,000 just to tell me where the shoe was. My point, some of you are looking right through your reps. You don't see their potential because you're focused in another area. Some of you go to job fairs and some of you go out there in the real world. You meet people at parties and, and social functions and you look right through them as recruits. If you're focused on recruiting, you'll see recruits. If you're focused somewhere else, you'll walk right past them and never even notice. It's the power of visualization and it's truly amazing. Take a nice deep breath, man. Breathe in deeply. Sleep way down deep. Loose, limp, relaxed, and unwound. Way down deep. Loose, limp, relaxed, and unwound. Sleep deeper, 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 and deeper. Squeeze that tight. Tighter, 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 tighter. To count of three, you cannot find the money. No matter how hard you try, no matter where you look, you can't find the money. Look everywhere. You cannot find the money. To count of three, sitting up straight in the chair. One, two, three, sitting up straight in the chair. How you doing? You had my $2,000, ma'am. Could I have it back? Please. Where's my money? Where'd my money go? Do you have it? <laughs> I want it. I couldn't get it. You probably took it back. No, I didn't take it back. Where's your shoe, Roger? I don't know. Well, Roger, why don't you try helping her find the money, and me, why don't you try helping him find the shoe? Uh, do you know where the money is, Roger? Yeah, it's okay. in your hand. Tell her. It's in your hand. Where's the money, man? It's in your hand. This hand. Why don't you tell him where your shoe is? Right here. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not. There's the money right there. Touch it. That's just my hand. <laughs> That's... $2,000, that should be mine. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna make you a deal. I'm gonna make you a deal, I'll tell you what. I will split the money with you if you tell me where it is. You keep half, I'll keep half, fair enough? How much money? There's $2,000 there, two grand. Okay. We have a deal? Sure. Where's the money? You know where the money is. Yeah, I, I knew that you knew. <laughs> <laughs> you see what she says? You tell him where it is, and then I'll be able to split it with him, because she has no idea where it is. No, no, you got to tell me. Where's the money? What's that? Did you make us leave our seats? I can. No, did you? Watch this. Chair's on fire. Whoa, chair's on I thought, wait, I can. I mean, if that's what you want. Absolutely fantastic. There's a few people kind of... Uh messaging us and, and, and going oh, through Oh, is that, that what well. that is over there? Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, so we've got uh, Christina Lennon. I believe uh, Christina's done your master class. Oh, Christina, well, hi, Christina. Yeah. Uh, I love her. Again, you know what I was saying earlier about, in, you know, in a certain part of Yorkshire, we seem to have loads of really good hypnotists. Um, so, yeah, uh, Christina's just down the road from me as well. Uh, Dale Thomas said it's brilliant on so many levels. Uh, the only reason I picked that one, I believe the request was the most or whatever, 
of all the thousands of presentations, I never forgot that one. I think that's the craziest thing I ever did on stage because yeah. if you if you look, it's a large amount of money, and I was challenging both of them directly. You know, try to find it, you know, hold it in front of the face, and then yeah. I, I did something. I took it to the next level, which I'd never done before or since. I turned control over to them. Yeah. You yeah. tell her and get him to tell you. <laughs> now that's like two levels beyond. That's that's yeah. pretty yeah. stretching the power of suggestion, I would think. And yeah. I I took a shot. I just took a calculated guess. I guess I did, did things similar to that, uh, but that is not something you want to do every night. The, the numbers eventually will work against you. But yeah, it, was a, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the stage of the Grand Old Opry. It was like 2,000 people, so it was a- I was, I was just about to say, was that the, the, the Grand Old Opry? That yeah, was the Grand Old Opry. an iconic stage as well, yeah. Right. So, Nashville, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, I'm sure you've worked, you've worked many um, venues, stages. Do you have a favorite? No, they were all great. Brilliant. I mean, I had more fun than should be legal. I just always, you know, it was always for me just a blast. I just genuinely enjoyed what I did. And most of the uh, very accomplished hypnotists like Christina, yeah, we, yeah. we we had talked, you know, it's just fun. You know, just, yeah. I mean, people have said, you look like you're having more fun up there than any of the subjects are. And nine times out of 10, I was. It's, it's yeah. just really a lot of fun. And I think... Uh, <laughs> I mean, stage hypnosis has got some uh, changing to do um, after this whole coronavirus. But I love where it's going. Like in the 90s, it was very shocking. Um, stuff that you can make and do. And it does seem to be getting more classic. Um, and hopefully, you know, the corporate side of things brings that entertainment value and the quality value up. So, yeah. Um, if you had one piece of advice to give to any stage hypnotist or any hypnotherapist that's watching this now, um, just one nugget, what would it be? If it was me giving the advice, be honest. Yeah. I just, I, just, I don't think you should oversell it where you can do this and that and stop smoking, you know, forever in a single session. I mean, that happens 2.14% of the time. Be, be honest with people that... You know, it tends to follow certain patterns. Most people, by definition, are average subjects. And like anything else, it's going to take a period of time. It's not going to be an instantaneous, you know, one shot and you're done. There are going to be a percentage of people that have that effect, but it's small, relatively negligible in terms of numbers. However, they run around telling everybody else, oh, it only takes one session. Only takes, it's amazing. It's amazing. And they, they, kind of, they kind of pollute it for everybody else. Be honest. Be honest in what its limits are. Be honest in what its applications are. No, it's not going to cure cancer. No, it's not going to make you levitate out of bed. You know, it's, it's, um, I mean, you know, you, you hear all kinds of exaggerations to it because it is so unusual. And, um, one thing that I, from the start promised myself that I would do was to try to be as honest about it as I could. And sometimes I get a question where I say, I, I don't have a clue. I don't have to, have to spend most of my life studying it. There are some questions you would ask me. I'd have to honestly say, not a clue. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it is a it's a it's 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 a rewarding career that every kind of every turn within my career, I keep finding new love for it. And just at the point where I kind of think, like, this is the part now where I'm a bit like, but yeah, I do keep finding a new love for it. It's a it's 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 a great industry that we're in. What's what's next for you? What what where do you see yourself going 
after after lockdown. I'll be sixty eight <laughs> next month. I see wow. myself going south fairly soon. If you know, the truth. <laughs> you know I, I figure I'm down to you know ten years or less before. <laughs> Uh, where do I see myself going? My interest has almost always been with the nature of hypnosis. Uh, at a very early age, you know, I was reading all the books, and most of the books that you read, somewhere it, no it notates as many years, as thousands of years, people have been aware of hypnosis. There is still no accepted theory. They, we still don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. And when I was eight or nine, I just said, well, maybe I could figure it out. So I have been pondering this for well over a half a century, a lot longer than that. And, you know, went through a variety of iterations as to what I think it is. And I have settled on a theory. I think the theory that I'm proposing fits, it works. Now it needs to be tested. It might blow up in testing, but at least I have put forward an original idea. To the best of my knowledge, nobody has looked at it this way before. It is uh, testable. It is a theory that actually you can generate an experimental design to test the null hypothesis. So we can, we can actually test whether it's real or nonsense. And um, if I end up pointing, if, if I end up being correct, well, that's that's the, the, the big prize. That's the lottery win. But if I end up at least contributing something that wasn't known before, I will have considered my life well spent. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's where I'm headed. I, I, I think that's the difference. Um, we do have a bit of an echo. I think maybe I've got, I'm coming back to what your thinks. I'm just going to mute you a second. But I think that's the difference between a lot of stage hypnotists. We all run that danger sometimes of because of our egos, when we develop a theory, that becomes absolute fact that's what we believe and we lock into that it's good that you've still got an open mind that that's what you believe it is at this moment so yeah well only one out of a thousand seriously proposed theories are anywhere near correct uh, most mm -hmm. people are de facto incorrect so you kind of be foolish going in thinking i got it first time out uh, i've been thinking about this a long time and put together a lot <laughs> of different uh, possible combinations and so far it works now i could wake up tomorrow and think well i wonder if and right away find out that it really is not what i think it is but. so i always ask every week uh, i ask people uh, if they were to recommend two books two books that have either been influential in your your business in your marketing in your understanding of hypnosis um, or two books that you think people watching this would get the most from What's your two books that are your, on your list? That, that sounds like a loaded question because anybody that's gone to my course know that I'm in love with a couple of books. One was uh, a book. The paradox is that it has relatively little to do with hypnosis. However, it totally altered my view as to what hypnosis is. It probably gave me more insight as to what hypnosis really is than any book I had read in my entire life. And the title of the book is The Origin of Consciousness in the breakdown of the bicameral mind. That's the title. It was published in 1976 by Julian James, J-A-Y-N-E-S, a Princeton uh, psychologist, and, oh, excuse me, Princeton philosopher. And he had proposed quite simply that uh, humans have a bicameral mind. He, he asks some really profound questions. For example, if the theory of evolution is correct, if man evolved, well, their brain had to evolve as well. And if man probably did not jump out of the trees conscious, 
consciousness also had to evolve along with man. And that argues that there would have had to have been a period of time where humans existed on this planet, not conscious, aware, but not conscious. It had to have evolved if, if you know, or the, you know, Stanley Kubrick theory, where the aliens come down touch your forehead and all of a sudden you got consciousness. But if, if humans evolved, well, so did consciousness. And if that's the case, what was here before they were conscious? What was the pre-conscious human like? And then he goes on an absolutely beautiful diatribe about consciousness plays a much smaller part in your life than you've ever been led to believe. He asks a series of profound questions. Is consciousness continuous? And the answer is no. Yes, most people, how long have you been conscious? Well, since I've been awake, not true. Just observe a person in course of normal activity and you'll see them drift in and out of consciousness. And he's got like 10, probably 12 questions that step by step, it deconstructs what you thought you knew about what it means to be conscious. And now, then once he strips it bare, it leaves you again with the fundamental question, well, then what is it? And his conclusion, which I largely agree with, was that consciousness is actually a form of inhibition. The more conscious you are, by definition, the more inhibited you are. Oh, goodness, don't get me down here. I'll be here for the next six hours. You asked, you asked me what my favorite book was. It was The Origin of Consciousness. And I'll tell you, expect to take a month to read the book because you'll yeah. read a paragraph and you just close the book and you go, wow, I never thought of it that way. You know, you end up spending the evening thinking, wow. Nice. That book profoundly changed my viewpoint of um, what I was doing and what hypnosis was. And the second book, you asked for two, I would absolutely read uh, Erickson and Rossi, Hypnotic Realities. Yeah. Uh, you know, Uncommon Therapy was great and a number of his dialogues were great, but I thought the Hypnotic Realities was the best put together book in terms of understanding Ericksonian approach to hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Well, Thank you very much for, for coming on tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure. To, to kind of talk to you and uh, pick your brains. And uh, I can imagine there's, there's people scrambling now to, to get on Amazon and get a hold of a copy of that book. I know I for one. Can, by the way, you can get it for free. Just Google oh. Origin of Consciousness. There's, somebody has put them up. It's it's not breaking any copyright laws. Some people uh, have put up two different things. You can, you can download the entire book as a PDF. And it is... Um, Best book I ever read in, in terms of understanding hypnosis and consciousness. But. Fantastic. And uh, did you say you do have plans for running another corporate hypnosis masterclass on the other side of the... Uh, you know, I'm sure I will. Uh, what I have been doing is some one-to-one -one training. While we mm. are quarantined, uh, every once in a while I'll get a call. For example, I'm working with a young man in China. There's another guy in Australia where I simply cannot afford to you know, fly halfway around the world. And so I do Zoom uh, sessions with them typically yep. once a week for about an hour and we go through my course over an eight to ten week period in one hour slots and it's actually very effective because i get to work one-on-one -on -one with the person i get mm -hmm. to kind of design and what it gives me is a much better insight as to what they are going through in other words when i teach the program i know what i went through and i know what i'm i know what i'm trying to communicate i know but uh actually working with a person for a week and then show them here's the technique now go out and try it and they come back and say, well, this worked, but I felt weird about this, but it gives me insight as to what they're going through. So, oh, and, yeah. and I, Christ, yeah, Christina so, says that it was definitely worth the investment. Oh, you're yes, so sweet. Is. She is such a neat lady, you know?
Yes, yeah. yes. And, um, and again, um, someone that's not caught up in the ego of state hypnosis and, you know, delivers the goods. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, Anthony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I feel like we could talk for hours uh, and then people would just leave us alone. Um, but, yeah, um, I've put your website up at the bottom. Hopefully people will get in touch if they are interested in the into the Zoom training as well. And uh, I, shall leave, I shall leave the final sentence to you. Um, oh. If there's anything you want to get off your chest or say to people, now's your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You know, it was, it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you. I'd be happy to do it again sometime in the future if you want to do it again. Fantastic. And uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions anybody has i'm pretty open about this stuff so thanks brilliant fantastic cheers guys thank you very much good luck thanks grant appreciate it